Hi! Sorry you caught me there, I was just doing some ENT. My name's Dr Nicola Lowe and today we'll be going through some ENT basics. Ear Nose Throat Thanks for that Nicola, that was very good. Today we'll be talking about one of the most common presenting complaints within ENT, namely epistaxis. Nosebleeds can be broadly categorised into anterior or posterior bleeds, depending on the anatomical source of the bleed within the nose. The majority of nosebleeds are anterior bleeds, coming from the anterior portion of the nasal septum, also called littles area or plexus. These more often present with unilateral nasal bleeding. A minority of nosebleeds are posterior bleeds. These are more difficult to manage and more often result in surgical intervention. They are more likely to present with bilateral anterior nasal bleeding or bleeding post-nasally, resulting in blood from the oral cavity. Management of recurrent or chronic epistaxis is better dealt with in an ENT clinic setting. However, there are a few important points to cover in the case of acute epistaxis. Ask about anticoagulation. Ask about recent trauma. Ask about recent viral infections. Ask about high blood pressure. Ask about history of epistaxis. If there's one character trait I hate, it's people overreacting to things. Mm, quite. <laughs> I have a nosebleed! <laughs> Hello. Hello. Do you take any aspirin or warfarin? No. Do you have a history of high blood pressure? No. Have you recently hit your face with, for example, a floor? No. Has your face ever been crushed by a farming instrument? No. Have you ever been punched in the face by a leprechaun? Yes. No. of epistaxis can be controlled using conservative measures. Failing this, there's a stepwise approach to be used before finally resorting to taking patients to theatre, which is rare and only for severe cases which are not resolved using prior interventions. Firstly, you need to see if blood is coming from one nostril or both nostrils. In this instance, there is a bilateral nosebleed. Secondly, you need to check the oropharynx for post-nasal blood drip. Can you open your mouth, sir, and say, ah? Ah. Conservative measures. These include holding the fleshy part of the nose with two fingers, 
leaning the head forward, attempting to put an ice pack on the back of the neck or the bridge of the nose. These measures should be employed for between 20 to 30 minutes, after which further intervention should be considered. It is worth noting that if the epistaxis resolves using these measures, one should keep a patient in for 30 minutes to one hour afterwards to ensure the epistaxis does not recur. The vast majority of cases of epistaxis can be resolved using these conservative measures. An important point and a common mistake is that people often hold the bridge of the nose or the bony top part of the nose to control nosebleeds. This is roughly as helpful as holding the elbow or the knee or a nearby chair. To examine the nose, we'll use a thudicum nasal speculum and a pen torch. If there is profuse epistaxis and you are unable to easily identify a bleeding source, you can use an adrenaline solution to clean the nose, causing vasoconstriction, reduction of epistaxis, and helping you to easily identify a bleeding source. If there isn't a readily diluted adrenaline solution, you can use one in a thousand adrenaline diluted with saline to one in ten thousand. So this is an adrenaline soaked cotton wool bud on some tilioral forceps, which we're just going to insert into the nostril to try and stop bleeding. We'll leave that for a minute or two. If you are able to identify an active bleeding point, you can use silver nitrite sticks to attempt cautery at the active bleeding site. Cautery should be applied at the bleeding point itself and in a small area around the bleeding point. One should be wary of cauterizing bilaterally, especially on opposing parts of the nasal septum, as this causes a risk of nasal perforation in the future. Once cautery has been applied, one should always prescribe nasepting cream. Nasepting cream contains both neomycin and chloramphenicol, and there has been some research to suggest that nasepting cream itself can prevent epistaxis. Before prescribing nasepting, one should always ask about peanut allergy because nasepton cream itself contains peanut residue. Avoid accidentally cauterizing the skin on the upper lip which will cause a small mark which can take two to three weeks to disappear. If there's no further epistaxis, the patient can be discharged with nasepton cream. It should be noted that cauterization can sometimes take one month to have its full effect and a small minor bouts of nasal bleeding or nasal spotting is quite normal after cauterization and does not necessarily mean the cautery has been unsuccessful. Ah, I can identify a bleeding spot. I'm going to cauterize it. If you have identified an active bleeding point and attempted nasal cautery, which was unsuccessful, or if epistaxis is profuse and you are unable to identify a bleeding source, the next step in epistaxis management is anterior nasal packing using either a rapid rhino, Mericel or bit gauze nasal packing. I'm going to have to insert a nasal tampon into your nose. A tampon? 
The principle of nasal plucking is to apply pressure to the anterior portion of the nose, which should abate bleeding. For example, this is a rapid rhino nasal pack. This is the part of the pack that's actually inserted into the nose. This is the tube and the um, port which is left hanging out of the nose. You use the port here to use a 10ml syringe to insert either water or air into the pack which should inflate this bit whilst it's in the nose. This is a Mericel nasal pack. This is the pack itself here and this is the string which you leave hanging out of the nose. The pack itself will absorb the blood and should expand within the nose. You can also use bit gauze which comes in a package as such and is a ribbon like substance and you would use forceps to insert it into the nose until it's packed. The principle of packing the nose is the same whichever pack you use at 90 degrees to the patient's face along the floor of the nasal pharynx. Are we okay to proceed? Yeah. Okay, might be a little bit uncomfortable. Well done. And now the pack's in properly, I'm going to use 10 mils of water to inflate the pack. This might be a little uncomfortable. How was that? That is actually awful. The drawback with nasal packing is that once a patient has been packed, the patient needs to remain as an inpatient in hospital for 24 hours before removal of the pack. You simply insert the syringe back into the port, withdraw the water, remember I put 10 mils of water in this previously, Ten mils taken out. And remove the pack in the same angle that you put it in. Just tip your head back for me. There we go. Pack out. <coughs> out. Pack not inserted fully. Pack inserted too far. Pack in wrong orifice. Walrus pack. If anterior packing has not abated the bleed, though you still suspect it to be of anterior origin, one can consider bilateral anterior packing. This induces a pressure effect on the nasal septum from the other side and often helps abate epistaxis. If bilateral anterior packing has still not abated the bleed, or notably the patient has lots of blood from the oropharynx, one should call the ENT team for they might need to consider either surgery or a posterior nasal pack. A posterior nasal pack takes the form of a Foley catheter inserted into the nasopharynx. The Foley catheter is inflated at the posterior portion of the nose, which abates bleeding. Once the Foley catheter is inserted and inflated, the anterior aspect of the nose should be packed with either BIP or a rapid rhino. A posterior pack should only be inserted by those trained in it, so please call the ENT team if there's any problems with any epistaxis.
Hello, is there any problems with any epistaxis? Anyone? Oh, <laughs> <laughs>